Do you like my my water bottle? <laughs> What's up, Revel1929? How y'all doing today? Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you guys are here. Nick Carey's in the building. I'm just going to stare at him right now. Is he acknowledging me? Nope. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know if you all know about something. It's called Team Night. Do you heard about Team Night? Awesome. So, we were supposed to have a Team Night last month, but there was a large snowstorm. So, not this week, Satan. We're having it today tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, we will have it. It is for our kids, Celebrate Youth and Rebel 1929. So if you are on a team here or you would like to be on a team here or you just want to come hang with us, come on up. We're going to be in the loft. That's why I said up. So you can go in the really safe elevator and go to the fourth floor. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be up there. We're going to talk about vision and why we do what we do. So it's going to be super lit. Uh, do you guys remember the people from Yellow? Yellow? Guys from Yellow? Apparently, that is not their group name. They're totally individual people. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> So they're going to be back on Friday for Thirsty. I'm super excited about it. It's going to be phenomenal. So tell all of your friends. And actually, they sent us a video for you all to check out. Yeah, so they're super excited to come down um, to all your people. The doors open at 9.30, event starts at 10. Uh, it's going to be lit, and we have free pizza, so you have to come. You have to at least tell your friends, and then they get to get, I don't know. I was going to say something, but I'm not going to. Okay, great. So... <laughs> Uh, we are looking into, uh, we do connect, connect events for uh, young adults. We're going to do that um, next month. Usually it's the first or second Saturday of the month. We are looking into laser tag. So it's going to be awesome. Ryan is going to look into it for us. And it's going to be great. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I don't know if you noticed uh, the big, large, green sign and two very friendly people from Rusley Woods. Uh, so they came up two hours to come and talk to you all. Um, so Josh, I'm going to give him the floor, and he can come up and kind of talk to you guys about their camp. Yeah. We're excited. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, hi. I'm Josh Foringer. I'm the uh, program director here up at uh, Wesley Woods. We're located about two hours northwest uh, of here. Uh, can you go to the next slide? <laughs> so, if any of you guys are looking for summer jobs, we are currently hiring for every single position that we have on staff. Uh, if you guys have felt a call into camping ministry in any way, shape, or form, 
please come talk to us because we are looking for kids. Uh, I was about to say kids. No. <laughs> People just like you guys who are energized and just encouraged and just really want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with kids um, all summer. Uh, so uh, summer camps look awesome on resumes. I know from experience because I worked here for six summers, two of which while I was still here as a call as a student. Um, and it's it's done wonders. It's brought up so many conversations um, with employers uh, from my beginning uh, until now. Uh, and while you guys are, if you guys come up and serve with us, it's not just an opportunity for you guys to pour into kids. It's also an opportunity to fellowship with everyone else that's working there, whether they be late high school, you guys' age in college, and you guys get to share experiences with one another that, in my experience, have shaped the kind of guy that I am today. Uh, and it's not just through one-on-one -on -one interactions with kids, it's through mentorships with our full-time staff, myself included. Uh, yeah. So we're, also, we're hiring for all of these positions, housekeeping, maintenance, uh, lifeguards, and kitchen staff. Those are called site staff because uh, those aren't necessarily interacting with kids 24-7, uh, whereas the program staff, that's uh, the camp counselors, the adventure, uh, the adventure program. Uh, the adventure program is all the, uh, the staff that get to lead canoe trips, uh, rock climbing, off-site adventure stuff like that, uh, hiking, all of that stuff. Um, So all of our all of our uh, summer camp wages normally start around like two hundred dollars a week. That kind of varies per position. Per position, it goes up from there. Um, room and board is all included in all of that. Uh, you guys don't have to worry about food really at all because we feed you all week. Um, <laughs> so you guys can save that money up for uh, other stuff. Yeah, bless you. <laughs> Save that money up for uh, stuff coming up during the school year or anything like that. Uh, so a typical week at Wesley Woods looks like looks a lot like this. Uh, Sunday night is whenever all the campers show up, or Sunday afternoon is when all the campers show up, and uh, we hold a camp-wide worship service to just kind of kickstart the week and talk about the main theme that we're going to be covering with them uh, each, each week of the summer. And uh, we do a Wednesday night service, which is kind of the more serious tone where we give the kids an opportunity to uh, rededicate dedicate their lives, confess a first-time first commitment in, in Jesus. Uh, uh, we have daily devotional daily devotionals for uh, for campers and staff uh, alike, and uh, we normally run programmed activities from like nine to five. So that means like adventure camps would be going doing their thing, swim camp, uh, mountain biking, uh, worship arts, gymnastics. So, so if you guys are interested, uh, I know that was a really really quick presentation, uh, but I just, if you guys have any questions for Carlene and I, uh, we'll be out back after the service. We'll be here the whole time too. So if you guys want to talk to us, please come, <laughs> please come too. So.
I think that's about all I have. All right. I'm going to put my water jug over here because I feel awkward having it up there. Also, I like, this is new for me right now. But I kind of enjoy it because, you know, I get like really into it and then I don't want to like accidentally punch any of you in the face. So we're going to we're going to go up here because we are safe here. This is a safe environment for all of you. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell a story. And it's a little funny. OK, good. so uh, I work in a gym and we're like a nonprofit. So there's like a bunch of kids everywhere. And something, I was walking out of the locker room the other day, and like literally as I'm walking out, I hear this little girl, she's probably in middle school, junior high, and she was like, my reputation is ruined! <laughs> like at the top of her lungs. And I was like, well, that's a bit dramatic, okay. <laughs> and I walk out and I tell my coworker, yo, this girl, <laughs> I tell him the story. and. They're like, oh, I remember those days. And I was like, yeah, me too. And I walked away and I was like, I still do that today. Every day. I'm like, oh my gosh, my reputation or my life is over. This is the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. Which there are terrible things that do happen, but sometimes we just kind of things happen and we just don't see any redemption in it. Um, <laughs> another thing that it made me think of is when I was in seventh grade. Uh, we, last time I spoke up here, we talked about another fun story uh, about something that I did or almost did. Um, this was around the same time period. I was about in seventh grade and I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. This was also during my emo phase. And so I went to <laughs> these local shows. They're called glow shows. And they were like local rock bands, whatever. And it was like junior high up to like people in their 20s, 30s. Just a bunch of people. And I'm hanging out with their own crowd, and they're like, yo, we're going to go to this concert. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and then someone has this idea, like, let's get some alcohol and get trashed before this concert. And uh, we were all trying to figure out. We're literally like 12 or 13, keep in mind. And, uh, <laughs> and so I was like, I'll just steal my parents' alcohol. I'll just steal their booze. They have this cabinet in the house, and I'm just going to go, and I'm going to steal it. I didn't know anything about alcohol. So I went in their cabinet, and I just grabbed things, and I put it in my jawstring. Is it drawstring? Draw? Jaw? Draw. Draw. My drawstring bag. And I take, like, three bottles of liquor uh, to this. We go to a parking lot. And um, I am actually not that cool or have ever drank before, but I was trying to make, like, impress them. So I <laughs> take out this bottle of what is gin, <laughs> and I start chugging this gin. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and my friends are like, you never drank gin before? Like, you never drank alcohol? We're 12. Come on now. And I was like, yeah, I drink gin all the time. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm, like, trying so hard not to throw up. <laughs> so as you can probably uh, think of, we got very, very drunk. And I ended up being really stupid and making a lot of stupid decisions. But I remember 
walking into school uh, the next, so that happened on a weekend. I came in on Monday, and I remember walking in there, and just every time I walked past people, they would look at me. They were whispering. It had been told of what had happened that weekend, and I had this reputation already that I was a party girl. I was a bad girl. Uh, really, I wasn't. I was just trying to impress my friends and, you know, made some stupid decisions. But that was my identity at that point. And so for me, I literally was like, my reputation is ruined. This is, this is who I am now. Everyone knows it. Everyone's whispering. It was like 7th through 12th grade, so even seniors knew about Brittany Redmond getting lit, 7th grade. <laughs> <laughs> but I was embarrassed. I was like, that's not who I am, but apparently that's what everyone thinks. And so I had this reputation that I didn't think would be redeemed. And so I went through life continuing that reputation and just kind of trying to live up to that. And I stayed with the same group of friends, got lit, um, but that never truly satisfied me. And that's just not who I am. That's not who I was created to be. Um, and I realized that when I met Jesus. He showed me who I am, and I'm his daughter. And so we're going to talk about this girl named Ruth, but I'm going to pray real fast before I say anything else stupid. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for every single person here. Oh, God, thank you that you love them so much unconditionally. God, help me to paint uh, a better picture of who you are today and just speak through me. Amen. So we're in this series called Storytime, and pretty much what we have been doing is we're taking stories from the Old Testament and we are connecting them with Jesus. Because I don't know if y'all read the Old Testament, but sometimes it's kind of hard to find Jesus, but he in there. So I'm just going to say, I'm going to see how many times I can do that through the whole service. It's going to be great. Kirsten, can you do a count? I don't know where you are. You're right there. Awesome. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. That would be super annoying. So we are up in Ruth. If you are taking notes, uh, I feel like Nick Carey saying that. If you are taking notes, my message is called, it's called Big Reputation. I was listening to Taylor Swift before I wrote this message, so you will see that there are some hidden things here. But there's this girl named Ruth, and she has a big reputation, okay? Uh, when I first started following Jesus. Uh, Ruth was my first book study I ever did, and I hated the book of Ruth. I was like, yo, this girl boring. This is like the Gilmore Girls. I can't even relate to her. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ruth sucks. And I like went to Bible college, and I literally sat down with one of my teachers and was like, because they did the book of Ruth, and he showed me so much of Jesus in that book. And I was like, yo, I'm going to be honest. I hated the book of Ruth, like, for real. Like, all the dudes got books named after them, and God shows up in these supernatural ways. But Ruth, boring. <laughs> and, like, she just, like, looked at me like, oh. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that we showed you a different way. But, yeah, like, I literally had no idea about this book. And so... So 
If you don't know this, which I did not know this, I mean, you read the book and it says that she is from Moab, but people don't really know the history of Moab. So she's a Moabite. Um, Back in the day, when we kind of talked about Abraham, he had a nephew named Lot. And so they kind of split their ways, part of their ways, I should say. And so Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God was saying that he was going to pretty much destroy the city. And God, like, you know, Abraham pleaded with him, please, please, please. So they sent these angels down to, like, find good people. Went down to Lot's. And all the people in Sodom and Gomorrah literally tried to have sex with the angels. So they were like, no, no. (laughs) And so they got Lot's family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. They said, don't look back. Wife looked back, turned into a pillar of salt. And the fiancés of the daughters did not come. So we are left with Lot and his two daughters, and they're living in a cave, and these girls, these girls look at their daddy, and they say to each other, our dad is old, and he is not going to be having children. We need to get him drunk and have sex with him. That's a great idea, right? Yep. Okay, awesome. So they literally get Lot drunk and have sex with him. They both have, not at the same time. Anyways, they both have sex with him. And they have children. Yep. Okay. So, out of these two children are the Ammonite people and the Moabites. And so, (laughs) and not only are they products of incest, but they also later on worship other gods. And so, in Deuteronomy, we can pull that up, the book of Deut, book of Deut, okay says, no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. Yeah. So Ruth's a Moabite? Yeah. There's a book named after her? What? It's crazy. So this book takes place in a famine. And so there's Naomi. And then her two daughters, so Orpah, which actually was supposed to be Oprah's name, but it's a long story. So there's Orpah, and then there's Ruth, okay? And their husbands die, and so does Naomi's husband. And so it's Naomi and her daughter-in-laws. And so there is this big famine in the land, and Naomi is an Israelite. And so she follows the one true God. Got me? Cool. Lots of information. I'm sorry. I'm trying to go slow here, but it's super good stuff. And so Naomi had heard that Bethlehem, that God had been providing all of this food. And so she was telling her daughter-in-laws, we should go to Bethlehem, but hold up. You shouldn't come with me. You should just go to your mother's house. Don't stay with me. You good. Go marry off don't stay with me. I am old. I can, you know, if even if I have children, you're not going to wait for my sons to grow up. That's silly. Just go. Um, And so Orpah, I mean, she's like lovingly, like hugs her and everything. And she's like, peace. (laughs) And she, she heads back to Moab. But Ruth, we can pull up that verse. Ruth clung on to her and she said, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people. And your God 
will be my God. So Ruth is like a ride or die girl. Like, you know how people are like, that's my ride or die. Like, usually they aren't. Ruth is a ride or die. And so she's literally saying, your God will be my God. I'm going to stay with you. I am not going to leave you. And so we look at that and we don't really see what it actually is. We just say like, oh, that's so nice of her. She's staying with her mother-in-law. That's super dope. But she's literally saying, your God will be my God. And that is conversion. She is literally putting her faith in the one true God. And so she is not a Moabite anymore. She is the daughter of the one true king. She is the daughter of God. And so her identity is completely changed. And God does not see her as a Moabite anymore. And so her story at that point is about to change. And so they arrive in Bethlehem, and this is during a like a harvest of barley. And they go there, and what does Ruth do? What does she do? She's like, I'm going to go to the fields. I'm going to pick up scraps from all of these people, and I'm just going to provide for us. I'm going to provide for you. And so, again, ride or die. Come on, girl. So she goes out in that field, and she works. And the thing is, like, this woman, when you, back in biblical times, if you were not married, you were screwed. Like, you were literally, you were out of luck because you needed a man. And so it was either you were married or you were a prostitute, honey. Let's be real. There wasn't many options. And so she's like, no, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to work and I'm going to provide for my mother-in-law. And so she goes out there and she's out there working. And just so happens that there is a distant relative of Naomi who is out. He, He like owns a field and he is a guardian redeemer. And so that is someone who literally has a legal obligation to help anyone in the family who is struggling. And so, but Naomi literally doesn't even tell Ruth that. And so Ruth is out in the field and it ends up being that that is the field of Boaz. Boaz owns that field. And so he's like walking around and he looks over, little girl, not little girl, that sounds so creepy. Woman, a grown woman catches his eye. And he's like, he goes up to his, uh, his peeps and he's like, Who's that, who does that woman belong to? And they're like, oh, oh, yeah, that's, that's Ruth. Um, she is, she's uh, that Moab woman that came with Naomi. Notice that people still saw her as a Moab, but that didn't matter because God didn't see her that way. And so when Boaz looked at her, he didn't see a Moabite. He saw that woman, and he saw her character, the fruits of the spirit that had been given to her. And so he goes up to her and says, I, I have, people have told me about you, Ruth. People have told me, uh, obviously I'm paraphrasing, but people have told me about how you left your land, you left your family, and you came with your mother-in-law, and you came to a, a place that you didn't even know anybody. And so I'm going to bless you. Go ahead and stay in my fields. 
and you can reap the harvest. You can get whatever you need. Actually, I'm going to give you more. And he even gave her food for lunch and, and took care of her. And so she, like, came back, like, making it rain barley. Like, she, like, literally, like, she comes in and, like, Naomi's like, whoa, dang, what happened? And she said, I met this man, Boaz. And, and, and she tells him, she tells her about Boaz and Naomi's saying, oh, my gosh, that is our guardian redeemer. And so a little bit about a guardian redeemer, it's also called a kinsman redeemer. And so these are people who I said have a legal obligation to the family, and they have five responsibilities. So they are to purchase back land, redeem the things that belong to the Lord, uh, freeing a person that was sold into slavery, avenge the blood of a murdered relative, and marry a childless widow to redeem the family name. And so she's saying, that's amazing that you were in the field, but like that is God. Literally, Ruth placed her in that field, and Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. So then it gets a little weird. Um, she, she tells her to go into uh, Boaz's room and lay at the bed of his, or the foot of his bed, and just be like, what's up? Obviously different wording. You should totally read the Bible. This is obviously the Brit notes of the Bible. Get what I'm saying? Bible's awesome. You should totally read it. Totally better than Game of Thrones. Uh, so, so, but that is her actually just reminding him, hey, you have this obligation. You are my redeemer. And so he says, yeah, okay. So then they go in. Eventually they do get married. But it's amazing that the things that the kinsman redeemer needed was means to redeem the individual and the desire to redeem the individual. And so where is Jesus in this story? Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Jesus has the means to redeem us and he has the desire to redeem us. If you look back in the New Testament, anytime someone came to Jesus for help, they came to Jesus for healing and help, he, they would say, are you willing? And he would say, yes, I'm willing. And because of their faith, they were healed. Because of Ruth's faith, because she took that, that faith and followed God, he redeemed her. He saw her differently, and that's, Boaz saw her differently. Jesus sees us differently than the world sees us. We just need to put our faith into Jesus. So the book of Ruth is a book of grace. It is a book of redemption. Even the language speaks redemption. There are 71 Hebrew words that describe distress at the beginning of Ruth, and then at the end there are 71 Hebrew words, and they have a tone of hope. And so this book literally speaks redemption. We have a girl with a bad family history that literally came out of incest. And then she meets Boaz. They have a baby, okay? Obed, 
then there's Jesse, then there's King David, then there's Jesus. So not only was she a Gentile that was redeemed, she was a Gentile that was written into the genealogy of Jesus. That is redemption. And so Jesus is a redeemer. He desires a relationship with you, and he also desires a relationship with the Gentile people, meaning he desires a relationship with people that do not believe in him. And so we look at redemption, and, and sometimes we think, yeah, it's just, you know, you put your faith in Jesus, and then you're redeemed. You put your faith in Jesus, and that's it. Um, Something that I don't like um, is when people, you know, they put their faith in Jesus and people will say like, yeah, you got a clean slate now. Don't mess it up. Thing is, um, we're not God. <laughs> we're not Jesus. We, we, we do mess up. God still loves you even when you mess up. Your story can even be redeemed after you put your faith in Jesus because sometimes we put our faith in Jesus and then we mess up and we're just like, oh my gosh, how, how am I a follower of Jesus? How does, does God see me differently? Can I still be a Christian even though I did this? But the thing is, God is going to use that screw up, that mess up, or whatever happens, even though you did not mean for it to happen, God is going to use that to show redemption. God is going to use that to show grace. God is going to use that to show his love for others. People are going to come close to Jesus. They're going to want a taste of Jesus. They're going to want this relationship with Jesus because they meet you and they see Jesus when they look at you. They feel Jesus' presence when they're with you. They feel his Holy Spirit when they're with you. And so Jesus wants to be a part of your story, even when you mess up. I mean, I've been there so many times where it's, it's you know, I have stories from seventh grade of me chugging gin, and I'm like, look at me, I'm speaking about Jesus. But there are times, guys, there are times when I, I mess up, and I look at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, God, thank you for your grace, because I literally don't deserve this, and I have no qualification to do this. I, I, you could pick so many people, so many people, but you chose me, and it just shows the grace of God, because I'm not up here saying, guys, I'm perfect. I accepted Jesus and everything's great and everything's dandy and I never mess up. That is not true at all. I mess up all the time. And so a couple weeks ago, I talked about, let's take that filter off. As Christians, some of the times, and I know some of you aren't believers, but this may be like a kind of comforting to know that Christians don't have it all together. But sometimes as believers, we kind of put this mask on, we put this filter on and just pretend like we are someone that we're not, that we're not going through pain and everything's just fine and dandy. Take the filter off. Show people who you are and you will show people the grace of God when they hear your story, when they hear your struggles, when they hear you're an actual human being. It just shows the love and mercy and grace of Jesus. Because we're relatable. Jesus was relatable. Jesus literally hung out with the sinners. He hung out with people that 
you know, the religious people were like, oh, hangs out with tax collectors, prostitutes, hanging out with all of these people. But Jesus was just real. Yeah. You know, people would literally sit down with him and, and they were literally thugs and then walk out and be like, I'm going to give all the money back. I'm going to not do this anymore, not do that anymore. That doesn't mean we don't know their story later. They could have messed up a little bit later because, see, what happens is people will, will say, and there's a lot of Christians do say this, uh, when they talk about people sinning and things like that, which, hey, it does say in the Bible, if you say you do not sin, you are a liar. Um, and people will say, yeah, but, um, you know, that, that woman of the night, she, she, wasn't, um, she wasn't promiscuous after that. You know, um, you know, this person, you know, Matt wasn't a tax collector, and this person wasn't that, and this person that. I don't really know. I mean, Peter denied Jesus three times, and he was still his homie. So I just want to kind of comfort you guys and know that God is a redeemer no matter what your situation is. God loves you no matter what your situation is. He looks at you, and he sees Jesus. He looks at you, and he just adores you. He is madly, madly in love with you. And so uh, if we could just close our eyes just for a bit of privacy. I just, I always want to give people this opportunity every week that if you have not put your faith in Jesus, that you have not um, accepted Jesus, uh, here's an opportunity for you to do that. He loves you so much. And he has just been patiently waiting on you to turn to him. And he just, he adores you. He went through pain and suffering and died on a cross for you. Not only did he die on a cross for me, but he rose again three days later. And so if you are ready to put your faith in Jesus tonight, I'm going to count to three. And you can raise your hand. And it's not the raising of the hand that uh, saves you. Uh, changes you. It's it's your faith. It's that faith that we talked about in the New Testament. Putting your faith in Jesus, and man, you'll just <laughs> you'll just uh, meet the most amazing, amazing, amazing person ever. The person of Jesus and His Spirit, and uh, it's amazing. One, two, three. And I'm going to pray for another group of people. Uh, and you have already put your faith in Jesus. Um, but sometimes you mess up. And sometimes things happen. And maybe even things that you've done in your past before accepting Jesus, man, they just came right back up, didn't they? And you are just sometimes just looking at yourself and, and just thinking, what kind of Christian am I? God is a redeemer, and, and so I just ask, if, if you're struggling with that, if you're struggling with just looking and just seeing your mistakes and thinking, how can God redeem this? He can redeem it. Um, and so if, if that's you, go ahead and raise your hand. You want to put your faith in Jesus tonight and ask God, say, I need you. I can't, I can't get through this alone. Go ahead and raise your hand. Well, God, we love you so much.
Thank you that you love us unconditionally through our faults, through our failures, through our mistakes, through our sin. Uh, God, that you don't you don't see us any differently. That um, that you were intentional when you created us, and that it was all done with care and love, and that you are just so patient, God. And I just pray that you give us peace and just. Um, Help us just crave you and, and come to you in times when, when we feel lousy, when we um, are just really struggling. God, you are a redeemer, and we thank you for that. Um, in your name we pray. Amen. All right. We are going to go in connect groups. We're going to do some extended connect groups. We believe that community is so important, and so we just honestly want to grow in a relationship with Jesus, but we want to grow in a relationship with each other. So we're going to head out into that. Here are our groups. Josh and Lexi are in the lobby.